chapter number one tonight, and we are going to walk through the book of First Peter for just a few moments this evening. As we mentioned a minute ago, as we enter into the summer, one of the very easy things sometimes is because everything is going to get so busy. And I'm, I'm being completely honest now, you're going to possibly hit a, a time of weariness in the midst of summer. Especially if you're going to get active in some things and you're going to commit to some things, you're going to move forward. And some of you are going to take uh, family vacations, we understand that. Some of you are going to get active in each of the, the big meetings that we have here and it's just going to be uh, extremely fast-paced. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we begin to get into a, series, a season of weariness. And as we enter into that season of weariness, one of the things in the Christian life that we are prone to do is we just kind of stop. Uh, we don't do anything. Uh, we just kind of put everything on hold and we get maybe uh, start getting a little unfaithful in some areas or some of the decisions that we are committed to. We kind of put those on the, the back burner for just a little while and we begin to fall off, if you would. And as you come to First Peter, you begin to see some things that will be a help to each and every single one of us this evening concerning being strong in the Lord. Now, Peter was given that command to strengthen the brethren, if you would. We find that in the gospel accounts, and you begin to understand that this is exactly what is taking place here as you come to the book of 1 Peter. And as you come to this book, notice what the Bible says in verse number 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multitude, uh, multiplied. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this book of the Bible, as you're going to walk through, you're going to see some things that begin to encourage us concerning our walk with the Lord and our relationship with the Lord and being strong in some of these areas. And tonight, I just want to pass a couple on to you. If you were to walk through this book of the Bible, you'll find that there are, there are over 20 different things that Peter is going to deal with concerning being strong specifically. Uh, strengthening us in certain areas of our lives concerning our relationship with the Lord and our knowledge of certain areas and what the Lord desires for us. But tonight, we're going to highlight just a few of those this evening. I want you to notice what the Bible says again in verse number three as we pick right up and move along this evening because I want to ask you this question leading into tonight's message. Do you even desire to be a strong Christian? You know, we have to ask ourselves that because being a strong Christian requires work. It requires work. Uh, it requires a dedication. It requires a, a desire to, to move forward in some things and to be serious and consecrated under those decisions that we've made. And there, there's a question that has to be asked about our seriousness. Uh, whenever there is a, a situation at hand, whenever someone is trying to mentor someone, uh, or bring someone along, whether it is in a workplace, whether it is in a, a sport, whether it is in a, uh, an arts, whether it's music, any area of our lives, there comes a time when that mentor looks at the student and asks that question, are you serious about this? We have to ask ourselves that question about the Christian life. Are we serious about it? Because if we're not, if we're just, you know, kind of floating through and casually taking each day in such a way where we understand where our eternity is as we rest in the understanding that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, but as far as sanctifying ourselves unto the Lord and as far as growing in our knowledge of the Scriptures and in our dedication to living the Christian life, are we really serious about that? 
You know, it's been said, what we do with this book, God will do with us. And that is a true statement to an extent, because if we're not serious about getting to know our Savior, then that kind of speaks already to the seriousness of the Christian life as far as how serious we're taking it. And so notice what the Bible says, because I pray that you're deciding and really determined to be a strong Christian this evening. Notice what the Bible says in verse number three again. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And notice with me concerning some things as you go into the summer, you're going to maybe hit a, a difficult season. Maybe you're in the midst of that difficult season right this very moment. And maybe you're struggling through, you're trying to make it through, you're, you're just kind of casually going about each day and trying to navigate each of the decisions that you're making or the, the circumstances in front of you or the plans that you have. And you're finding as you walk through life and maybe you've hit a rough patch, maybe you're just embracing the season of life that you're in, that you come into a season where you feel as though it's almost hopeless. And notice this statement that is found in verse number three, because you must be strong in your hope this evening. The Bible says in verse number three, right in the middle of it, begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As a, as a Christian, it is very easy as you begin to try to live the Christian life to get negative about the circumstances concerning this world. Uh, to complain about even situations whenever you're trying to take things serious, but maybe another Christian that you're close to is not as serious about some things. And maybe you're looking at the, 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 the grand scheme of all of it, and you're looking at people and you're saying, why aren't they serious, and why aren't they serious, and why is this not happening? And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, maybe you're trying to make some decisions yourself and lead and follow and do some things, and you feel as though sometimes it's just hopeless. Have you ever been in a, uh, an effort to try to do something, whether it was trying to get out of debt? or whether it was trying to exercise and get healthy, or whether it was trying to get better at a certain uh, hobby or whatever the case might be, and you have one of those what we would call just a bad day concerning that one effort. And typically this is how that one day goes, is you're trying to do that, and somewhere along the lines, whether it's trying to get out of debt and you, you hit a rough patch and you're not able to do something that you're wanting to do, or maybe you uh, step on the scale and you're intending to lose weight, but now you've gained weight, or maybe you were trying to work on that craft concerning that hobby or whatever the case might be, and it's just as though it just went worse and worse and worse, and you make this statement, what's, what's it worth anymore? Why do, I, why do I even need to keep trying? What's the point? Why, why am I going to keep putting forth all of this effort and getting nowhere? As you come to this statement right here in verse number three, begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of the things we find in the Christian life sometimes that we are guilty of, every single one of us, is we're placing our hope in our own things that we think we can do. Not unto the Lord. You see, my hope does not rest in my abilities tonight. My hope does not rest in, in my own efforts tonight. 
My hope does not rest in my surroundings or my circumstances or the things that are going good or the things that aren't going good. My, my hope tonight rests in the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. And that is where we have to come back to making sure that we have the right perspective of everything because it is not us, it is him. And as you come to verse number three, Peter is trying to help us to understand this as he says, unto a lively hope. It's not a, it's not a was a hope type thing. It's not a coming hope. It is a lively hope tonight. It is an understanding that we have something and someone to hope in. It is our salvation. It is Jesus Christ this evening. And being an individual that rests your hope in the Lord, it makes all the difference in your life. Because when you wake up tomorrow, your circumstances might not be great. Your problems might be heavy. Your burdens might be present. But the Lord still gives a lively hope. As you rest in Him. Tonight, I don't know where you're at or the season that you're about to enter into or the season that you're in. But as you come into what is going to be, I'm telling you, a busy season. May we not grow weary and just quit on the Lord. As you wake up every single day, give that day to the Lord and rest in Him and find your hope, not in what you think you're able to do. Because I'm telling you now, if you wake up and you continuously put all of your hope into what you can get accomplished, there's going to come a Thursday. There's going to come a Tuesday. There's going to come a Saturday when you're going to look back and you're going to say, I didn't get enough done and I have failed. No, 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 no. Hold up. It's not about you. Resting in Him. And what he has for us. Number two, not only being strong in our hope this evening, but notice in verse number eight, as the Bible continues on, and there are over 20 things that we could look at this evening, but we're only going to look at a few. Whom having not seen, ye love. Let's back up for just a moment. Verse number five. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom... Though now ye see him not, ye yet believe, believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Notice with me, if you would, being strong not only in your hope, but being strong in your love for the Lord. Notice what the Bible goes on to tell us multiple times in Scripture concerning this. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 5, we were here this morning in our Sunday school. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. First John four nineteen, we love him because he first loved us. This is Matthew six twenty four, a, a verse that changed my perspective and my life in the midst of Bible college. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Luke 10, 27, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. I wonder tonight, how much do you truly love the Lord this evening? As you begin to think about your weariness and to begin to think about the problems sometimes and all of the things, we grow into this season where we begin to think we have it worse than others. Where where our problems are greater and no one would understand or this or that. And we begin to think that the Lord doesn't love us and so why should we love Him? 
And what a, what a sad reality that is, but we see it far too often as you think about many Christians who leave the house of God, leave the church, and leave the faith, and just walk out and say, I'm done trying this Christianity thing. And that is the absolute danger of it, is that they were trying something. There's no, nowhere in Scripture where you say, see the Bible says, hey, try this out. Nowhere do you see that. As a matter of fact, many times in Scripture we find that we are just to be faithful followers of something, of someone specifically. And there are many people who are leaving the house of God, leaving the Word of God, quitting all of this, and they have a bad experience because when you trace it all the way back, they say, why would a loving God allow all of this? And so now they don't love the Lord because, hold up, God didn't show his, no, God shows plenty of love to us. And that is the, the, the sad reality within each and every single one of our lives sometimes. And notice what he says in verse number 8. Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, when you begin to consider the Christian life, I, I've had to ask myself this question and and Miss Kelly and I have had to talk about this one subject, about why we do what we do. The decisions that you make, the decisions I make, the, the life as a Christian, why do we do those things? Do you, do you come to the house of God for someone else? Do you, come, do, you, do, you, do you serve because of someone else? Or do you listen to the, the good Christian godly music because of someone else? Are you trying to be faithful because of someone else and because you're trying to impress someone or trying to to meet someone else's standards? Because if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then you'll find at the end of the day that you're always going to be left empty. I was having a conversation with just someone the other day about uh, expectations and the Christian life and relationship. And as our church has grown, one of the things the Lord has helped me to see is that, that my satisfaction, if I place my satisfaction in hitting a certain number of uh, concerning our church meeting, that number, say for just a moment, as our church has exceeded that 200 mark here recently, if I were to say I'll only be happy if we hit, hit 300. Then all of a sudden you'll find, and I know this to be true, that if I were to say I'll only be happy and think that I've accomplished something as a pastor and accomplished something as a Christian, if we meet 300 people, then I'll find that as we hit 300 people, I'm left empty. I say, okay, okay, 300, I'll only be happy if we get 500. Then I'll find as we, if, as we hit 500 that I'll be left empty. You see, because it's not about all of that. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord himself. It's about that understanding that it doesn't matter. My love for the Lord and what I do for God is not dependent on what I can accomplish because I am nothing. I'm nothing. You are nothing. We are just very simple vessels that have to yield ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be an individual that is chasing accomplishments. I want to be an individual that is chasing Jesus. I want to be chasing you and my relationship with you, and I want to grow in my love for you every single day, not on what I accomplished, but just very simply what you've already accomplished. It's about him and what he has done for us. And as you think about this verse right here, in verse number eight, having not seen ye love, rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so I wonder tonight if you have found that you are weary and you must ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I feel as though I'm doing all of these good things, but I'm still left empty? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it to prove a point? Are you doing it to, to ex get acceptance from a crowd? Are you doing it to make sure you meet someone else's standards? Are you doing it because you just truly love the Lord and you want to please Him? 
You just want to please your father. Number three, notice with me in verse number 15, the Bible continues on. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy. In all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Now, I know this isn't a popular subject right here. Holiness is no longer touched on at all in the church. Number three, be strong in your holiness. Living for the Lord specifically and not doing things in a slackly manner, if you would. He goes on, and again, in verse number 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. One of the dangers of summertime is everyone is out of school. Some of you will take a break and take many vacations. Some might even uh, take things a little bit lighter as they enter into the summer, and all of a sudden, holiness is thrown out the window. I'll get back to living the Christian life after we get through the summer, and I just need a break. It's just been a long spring. Nowhere do we find in Scripture where it begins to tell us when we can play the Christian life and live the Christian life when we can take it off. The Christian life is a life to be lived. There's no stopping point. There's just a continuation of growing in our walk with the Lord. And we've said this time and time again, but living as though we have not arrived in the Christian life. The danger of living as though we have arrived is all of a sudden we think we know what's best and we think we know when we can do certain things and what applies to us and what does not apply to us. And and then we begin to become critical of others and their lives and this and this and this. But notice what he goes on to say in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. That affects everything. That affects the decisions that you make. That affects the places that you go, the conversations that you have, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, everything within your life. It means the things that you put into your body, the things that you're going to go about doing this summer and in every single day of our lives. And we must ask ourselves, are we serious about the Christian life? Because if we're serious about the Christian life, then we have to be serious about holiness. One of the things you're finding within many churches in our day and age, and you're seeing this Christian culture where it is just a feel-good gospel and a feel-good church that is creeping into America and, and flooding many of our churches, is that we are getting rid of holiness because we have taken holiness and tried to put it as though it is a standard. And we begin to say, oh, they're placing all of these standards on people and all of these convictions on people and all of these things. No, and we are not placing standards on people. We are saying this is what the word of God says. There is something to living a holy life. Hey, you don't walk into the house of God and all of a sudden think that you can talk a certain way and belittle certain things and begin to criticize each other and all this. You don't live the Christian life and say, hey, I'm going to wear this and look like the world and act like the world. But hey, that's a standard that they have. No, that's called holiness. You ought to stand out. You ought to be different. There is something to be said about that. There's something to making sure that we're living the life that a child of God ought to live. So you don't go and drink at the bars. You don't go and smoke marijuana. You don't go and look like the world and do all of these things and say, oh, they're just trying to place standards on us. No, that's not. That's holiness. There's being consecrated unto the Lord. You don't do those things because the child of God ought not to be doing those things. And so he goes on. He says, well, what's the big deal? Be holy for I am holy. We're chasing the Lord Jesus Christ out as our example. Can I share with you, I have a lot of individuals that I admire in the Christian life. I admire Brother Johnny Pope. I admire Brother Scott Polly. I admire, you can name many, many, many preachers. I admire my father-in-law, but those are not the example. Jesus is. 
Those are godly individuals. Those are individuals I'm going to seek counsel from. Those are individuals I'm going to call and ask for advice and make sure. But if one of them individuals all of a sudden fall off and start living in sin, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I got the approval of them to live in sin myself. No, just because another brother and sister in Christ begins to go and run from God and live a rebellious lifestyle and do all of these things does not mean that they have placed this stamp of approval and that is the approval that we have to meet. No, it is Jesus Christ. And so in verse 15 and 16, he goes on and says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You know, I... I hate to see what is taking place in many people's lives and many of the churches that is that is in America right this moment. Where we have, you know, it was a political term, but it is it has come into the church and the, the political wokeness has now come into and now you're seeing a spiritual wokeness. And that is a true thing. You're seeing everyone trying to conform and trying to, to make sure that they're staying up and, and making sure that they're still hip and all these many things. And we find in the Word of God, and we've heard it said many, many times, that we're not trying to keep up with another church. We're not trying to be the church. We're just trying to be faithful to the Lord. In His Word, we're trying to be faithful to the preaching of God's Word. We're trying to be faithful to living the Christian life. That is what we're trying to seek after. So be holy, for I am holy. Verse number 22, notice what the Bible goes on to say as well. Seeing ye have purified your souls... Obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Number four, be strong in loving the brethren, if you would. I believe we would all, if we're being honest this evening, we all understand that there are going to be times when we disagree. But a disagreement does not mean that all of a sudden you demolish a relationship or a friendship or uh, anything within the local church or whatever the case might be, you continue to work through that. You get things right and you continue to press on. And as you begin to think about loving the brethren, we have talked about this in our Sunday school of recent and certain things. There are even times when no doubt me, Brother Zach and Brother John, we work very closely together. I appreciate those guys more than they'll ever know. And there are going to be times when we disagree on things. That does not mean that all of a sudden I, I, I just say, hey, you know what, I forget with, with these guys, you know, and this and that. No, I still love those guys. And as you think about us and the opportunity together as a church and as, as brethren to serve the Lord together, loving the brethren. And being able to work alongside each other. Paul deals with this in a, in a great regard as you think about this in some of the times when he is writing, especially in the book of Philippians and, and dealing with some of this. As you think about all of what we have to accomplish for the Lord, notice again that statement, unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. And he goes on and finishes with a very powerful word, fervently. Number five, to continue moving on quickly tonight. Chapter number two, notice with me if you would. And we're just kind of giving an overview if you would. The Bible says in verse number 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you. I love this verse right here in verse number 11 because that statement, dearly beloved, speaks of endearment, if you would. It speaks of love. It speaks of care. I beseech speaks of a comfort. It speaks of a strengthening, uh, an instruction, an exhorting, if you would. Uh, he goes on and he's going to deal with being different, if you would. But he goes on and says, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims 
abstain from fleshly, fleshly lust, which war against the soul. That word abstain speaks of refraining, if you would, of holding off, if you would, having your conversation honest. It speaks of good and honorable, of reproach. And he goes on and says, among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. As you think about these verses that are being dealt with right here, he goes on and continues to deal with this. But you think about this being strong in the Christian life, as he says in verse number 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you. This is a pleading with. This is a begging of, if you would. And he is endearing to these people. He loves these here. Dearly beloved. This would be as though I'm meeting with these young people. Or I'm just commending the church and trying to get the attention of the church. And with with all of the the fiber in my being, I'm trying to convince you of living the Christian life. And I'm saying, dearly beloved, this is an important thing. He's not just saying it in passing. He's not just saying it in a casual regard, but he is trying to get you to understand this is something to consider. Dearly beloved, he goes on with another powerful word. I beseech you. I instruct you, I beg you, I exhort you, I strengthen you, I comfort you concerning this one thing. As strangers, this is not your home. This is not a place you're going to stay forever. This is just somewhere you're passing through. He goes on and uses the word pilgrims, which speaks of entering a city for a time. I have a shirt that was sent to me. It's actually a sweatshirt. And... uh I don't know where it came from, but on the front of the sweatshirt, it says, this world is not my home. I'm just here recruiting. I don't know where where it came from. And I have another one that says, in Christ alone. I have another one that says, God first. And all these were sent to me. And whoever sent it to me, I appreciate. I'm wearing them all the time. But as you think about this world, one of the sad things about many Christians is we have fallen in love with the things of this world. With the entertainment of this world with the socialization of this world, with the drama of this world, with the, the, the things that we get to endure within this world and everything that is before us. And as you think about those strong statements that are being made here, dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg of you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain, hold off, refrain, if you would. There is an abstaining from those fleshly lusts. There is a, a doing of those good works. There is a submitting to the Lord. All of these things concerning living out the Christian life. And I ask you again, are you serious? Are you serious? You see, the reason I ask you this question, are you serious, is because have you ever been reading God's Word, and all of a sudden you're reading the, Lord, the, the Word of God, and the Lord is dealing with you, and it's just like a parent that is speaking to a child, and the parent says, hey, you need to do this, 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 and this. And the child looks at the parent and says, are you serious? You see, as we come to 1 Peter, over 20 different things concerning strengthening the brethren are mentioned. We ask ourselves, are we serious about the Christian life? It's as though, as we walk through 1 Peter, we come to the end, and it's as though we look at Peter and say, are you serious, Peter? All of these things? We have to consider all of these things. You're telling me we have to consider abstaining from fleshly lust, and we have to consider submitting to the Lord and doing good works and loving the brethren and strengthening our marriage and doing all of these many things that you're dealing with in one book? Are you serious? And so now we flip the question around. 
Because many times, as we're sitting in our seats, we are so greatly desiring to be used of the Lord. And the question has to be asked, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you sure? Because if you're not, then why are we going to discuss these things? If you just want to live a very comfortable Christian life where you're just kind of floating on through, then don't take any of these things serious. But if you want to thrive, And you want to really get to know your Savior on a deeper level. As Paul says, that I may know him. And if you remember that statement that he makes, it's a continuous thing. That I may know him today and know him better tomorrow and know him more the next day. That I may know him. Chapter number three, look with me for just a moment. Verse number one, the Bible says, likewise ye wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by conversation of the wives. Father, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be hidden, the, the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. That statement right there, meek and quiet, speaking of controlled, if you would. That adorning, if you would, is speaking of the the cosmetics and what we focus on. That, That statement, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair, the fancy hair, and of the wearing of gold, the jewelry, and all those things. But what really matters is you continue walking on down. Likewise, verse number seven, ye husbands dwell with them according to the knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as under the weaker vessels, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Number six, we see this, that we need to be serious. For those of you that are in this season of life, we need to be strong in our marriages. Strong churches are made up of strong Christian homes. You've heard that many, many times. But I wonder how serious we are willing to get about this. In our Sunday school class, we started this Sunday school class a little over a year ago, and we've continue to say this. We reemphasize this this morning, and I believe it's something that every Christian ought to reemphasize in their own life, is that if we're not willing to address the areas in which we're failing or the areas in which we're struggling, then we're never giving ourselves the opportunity to grow from it. That is something that needs to be applied in marriage. That's something that needs to be applied in the Christian life. It needs to be applied in the workplace. It needs to be applied in every area of our lives, because if we're not willing, and it's, it's very simply because of our pride, that's where, why we won't. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, I noticed something that, 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 that I don't know if this is accurate, but it doesn't seem very Christ-like. And all of a sudden we jump to, how dare you say that? Pride. And it creeps in, well, concerning the marriage as well, if we're not willing to address those things and get serious about it, being strong in our marriage. Verse number 12, notice what the Bible says here in chapter number 3. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Number number seven, if you would, as we come to a close here soon, being strong in our prayer. We've been taking seriously this focused and fervent prayer, and I pray that you have gotten involved in that. If you haven't, you've missed out, but you can continue. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray. Ephesians 6.18, praying always. Philippians 4.6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. And you see, we could go on and there's probably a mile-long list that deals with the subject matter of prayer, whether in passages of Scripture or specifically verse after verse after verse. 
And as you begin to think about this, you know, I was talking to my stepfather just the other day as they're preparing to move here and settle in this area. They've got grandbabies here. They've got grandbabies in, in Indiana, and they want to be close to their grandchildren, and they want to be plugged into a good church. And so they've been praying about this, and they're in the process of getting their house sold and all that. And me and my stepdad were talking the other day, and he they've been following along and watch every service, and we talk often. And he said, it's, it's strange. I'm praying more now than I ever have. And he's been following along the emphasis. And he, he, in passing, said, I've been paying attention to everything from the revival meeting and, and the emphasis that was placed on prayer and the daily reminders to pray. And I've been getting serious and more serious about that one area of my life, prayer. You know what's an amazing thing? Is that when you're praying more, all of your concerns and worries, they're not as present as you think they are. He's trying to, to sell a house and they're trying to navigate the change and, and all that and all the stress that could no doubt be piled on as you're trying to sell a house and find a job and do all of these many things. And every single time we've ever talked, he says, I know the Lord's got it all worked out, though, so I'm not worried about it. Why? Because given a prayer. Now you remove that very important ingredient in the Christian life. All of a sudden we're worried about everything. We're fretting about everything. We're concerned about everything. But when you're given to prayer, all of a sudden, you're given a perspective that God Almighty has not left me out to dry. He's still working on everything. Being given to prayer. As you begin to think about being strong in your prayer life, you want to see God do something with your life? Give yourself to prayer. You want to see God do something with these young people? Give yourself to prayer. You want to see God do something with this church? Give yourself to prayer. I was on the phone with a preacher just the other day who will be with us on Memorial Day. And as we were talking, he said, you know, it's very interesting. I don't do this often whenever I'm in churches. But he was talking about following everything that is going on here. And he has mentioned our church many times, he said, from the pulpit, specifically about praying for our church. That means the world to me. That means everything is I begin to think about our church being an encouragement to other churches of what God can do. What an encouragement. I'm thankful to, to know that the Lord is working in our midst, but can I share with you, you say, I don't want God to stop. Give yourself to prayer. What could God do with our church if we would be a church that truly is given to prayer, being strong in this area? And so as you think about that in your own life, again, Matthew chapter number 26, 41, as it deals with a specific subject, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication, the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice with me, if you would, final two things tonight. As you think about this, number eight, chapter number five, you see three verses that go all together. And we close with this tonight in two areas, being strong in the Lord and being strong against the devil because you see what is taking place. Verse number six, the Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Verse number eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. As you think about your own life, you think about the Christian life and being strong in these areas. Satan's attacks are going to continue. There's no doubt about it. 
The devil's going to continue to attack, and I was encouraged as I was in Hickory, North Carolina, recently preaching, and after I got done, a preacher was talking, and he made this statement. He said, every single time that I felt Satan's attacks more intensely were those times whenever he knew he was losing ground in my life. And decisions that you make, after you make a decision, you can expect opposition. As you begin to go into this summer, can I encourage you, don't let your guard down. Because as soon as you do, Satan will be right there to attack. And one of the things you must consider is, if I am serious, then I need to strengthen myself. And Peter, as you walk through, I would encourage you to walk through the book of 1 Peter. Maybe this summer, in your own life, you give yourself to the reading of 1 Peter and really allow the Lord to bring you along in this one book concerning the Christian life and strengthening the brethren. Because as you walk through this book of the Bible, you'll find that Peter deals with all of these many subjects concerning being a strong Christian. And here's the question I ask one last time. Are you serious? Because if you're serious, then it's time to consider some of these things. And may I caution you, don't just consider one of them. Consider all of them. Don't just say, all right, fine, I'll give myself to prayer. But all that other stuff, I'll address it. No, no, no. Give yourself to all of it. Consider all of it. The Bible goes on in Scripture and tells us for to consider Him. Can I share with you every morning when you wake up, if you consider Him, He'll help to bring you along in all those things because He will guide you and direct you. You just have to yield yourself to Him. Strengthen the brethren. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, I love this church. I love these people. Lord, I pray that you would, as we've given just a brief overview tonight, Lord, that we have an appetite to grow to get serious about the Christian life if we're not already. Lord, I know that there are many tonight that are praying about some specific things, and Lord, they need you, we need you. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to be strong Christians. As we ask ourselves, how serious am I willing to get about living the Christian life and being the Christian that I am saved to be? As a child would ask their parents, are you serious? Well, we ask ourselves that question. Are we serious? And I wonder tonight, Lord, if we'd be willing to say, I want to grow more this summer than I've ever grown before, to be committed to you, yielded to you, and given to you. Pray that you would help us, encourage us. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Heads